0: Thank you. Alright guys, welcome back to Revive School. Yesterday we wrapped up Isaiah 53, uh, really talking about the suffering servant. You know, to me, uh, walking through those points from uh, Tom Constable and really through Scripture, the Old Testament, the New Testament, Kevin, it's, it's unbelievable to, to hear what the prophet Isaiah is talking about, not only for his people, but for, for all of us. It's an unbelievable picture of who Christ is and who he can be in our lives and we didn't really get a chance to talk through isaiah 54 or 55 and i have to tell you though it's crazy isaiah 54 was one of those verses in two and three that was really life changing for me uh but i know because of time i'm going to get into isaiah 56 I, I just want to say please don't miss this you know there's a scripture verse that says enlarge the, the sight of your tent and let your tent curtains be stretched out do not hold back and then it goes through and yeah this is uh, william Carey's you guys life verse a missionary's life verse and so i think I just want us to understand that you 're going to see what, what uh, many authors describe this as as a reversal, like there's future glory that 's coming for Israel, so it doesn 't look good, but it 's now coming you 're going to see a reversal mentality in fact Raymond Ortland says you 're going to have this barren woman rejoicing over her growing family, uh, a lovely wife being comforted by her husband. You know, a poor city that's beautified by literally uh, the switch of these jewels that are coming into place. And so you you see a reversal of the city. So it's it's a positive, encouraging, hopeful message that he articulates in Isaiah 54. And I would just say, don't don't miss that. And then it continues to build in Isaiah 55, where you see an invitation of coming to the Lord. Come and experience his satisfaction. Come and experience the victory of the Lord. That's going to be certain. Ortland even says, uh, you know, it's kind of funny, the word of God is effective and you can actually expect renewal that's going to be awaiting to you. In fact, the world is going to be renewed. It's going to be awaiting because of what God does. And so all I want to just say is, is 54 and 55, just because we didn't teach on it, doesn't mean that it's doom and gloom or destructive. Like it's a really incredible picture about what God's going to do for his people and and beyond. And so that leads us into uh, Isaiah 56. You know, Isaiah 56 is really what's interesting. Tom Constable calls these moral exhortations. Okay, hang on here. In view of God's salvation. Okay, I'm going to unfold that here in a little bit, but I want you to have this understanding. Uh, I've got to back up in Isaiah 55 just a little because the reason I think it's important to, to understand this is in Isaiah 55 in verses 1 through 5, you will see the invitation of Come. I need you to come to the Lord. Okay, that's kind of the picture. Then you're going to see this picture here. Warren Wiersbe says of Isaiah 55, 6 through 13, seek. Okay? But then today where we're going to go in Isaiah 56, it's an awesome picture of worship. 56, 1 through 8, you're going to see this language of worship. So, I'm going to say a little phrase and I'll keep saying it over and over again. We have to get ready. What does that look like? What does that mean? Well, first of all, it says in verse one, this is what the Lord says. Preserve justice and do what is right. For my salvation is coming soon and my righteousness will be revealed. So, Kevin, if you heard like, hey, something is coming soon. It doesn't matter what it is. It, does, it could be anything, a movie, a restaurant. Like, you're kind of like, hey, I wonder what it's going to look like.
1: It's anticipation. Yeah,
0: you're like excited about something. I remember uh, there's a restaurant called Fat Straws. You guys ever been to Fat Straws? It's like bubble tea. And then it has this cover, this tight saran wrap cover on it. You stick a big old straw in it. And man, it's just joyous. My daughter was so excited. Fat straws opened up next down the road, next to Sonny Bryan's. And she was like, hey, I want to go and sit outside and wait before it opens. Like she wanted to open, be there for fat straws. Chick-fil-A opens up on Campbell Road. What happens? What do we do? You want to get there early because you're anticipating. And I think this is the image of Isaiah 56. Guys, I want you to get ready. My salvation is coming soon. Now, Kevin, we just talked through Isaiah 53. How does the salvation come? Suffering servant. Through the suffering servant. You know, we wrestled with this image of, you know, we have the word Emmanuel for the book of Isaiah. We also talked about just calling it the suffering servant. But we felt like Emmanuel was a bigger, broader picture of the suffering servant. It was because of God joining us, God with us. That's why the suffering servant took place. And so anyway, my salvation is coming soon through the suffering servant. My righteousness will be revealed. In other words, (laughs) this is kind of a funny picture, incentives are coming. The incentives are coming. You have to be ready for something that's going to be right around the corner. Crazy enough, we kind of already know this, uh, they didn't embrace this. They didn't embrace the warning that was specifically going out to what we would consider the remnant. But then he even keeps saying, he continues on in verse 2, Hey, happy is the man, blessed is the man who does this. Who does what? Anyone who maintains this, who keeps the Sabbath without desecrating it and keeps his hand from doing any evil <laughs> it's always no hand <laughs> you keep your hand from doing any evil you keep the sabbath without desecrating it De- the word desecrating uh let's go to our in-house teacher rich rich any idea on the word desecrating like was it what? wiping it out just completely annihilating so if you just completely ignore the Sabbath, completely not adhere to it, that's what we're talking about.
1: Yeah, you just like, yeah, it's just another day. I'm going to go do whatever I want.
0: And I think the end of keeps his hand from doing any evil goes with the Sabbath part. Because if you're desecrating the Sabbath and you're not resting before him, you're probably doing what?
1: Something you're not supposed to
0: Anything that you're probably supposed to not be doing, you know, probably or something, Kevin, I think that's good. So I want to begin to unpack verse two just a little bit, because I think this is really important to understand three and four. So the Sabbath observance. okay? it was established. okay? everybody understand this. It was established after the deliverance from Egypt. So when you go to Exodus 20, Kevin, if you would, please, verse eight uh, through eleven, Exodus 20, verses eight through eleven. These are the words. The Lord spoke through Moses. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You're to labor six days and do all your work. Verse 10. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to Yahweh your God. You must not do any work. You, your son or daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock or the foreigner who is within your gates. Verse 11. For Yahweh made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in them in six days. Then he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, Yahweh blessed the Sabbath day and declared it holy. Now, here's what's kind of interesting about this. Uh, The the Sabbath served as what we would consider a special sign, like that God's hand was on his his people. Uh, A couple things, Kevin, if you go to Exodus 31, Exodus 31, 13 through 17. I, I, I want to make sure we don't miss this point here. Okay. Exodus 31, 13. He says this in verse 13, tell the Israelites, you must observe my Sabbaths, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, so that you will know that I am the Lord who sets you apart. I want to just throw something out there. Let's go a little controversial just for a second. Kevin, this is meant for who? The Sabbath is meant for who? For the Jewish people. The Jewish people. That's not you or me. Am I right? He didn't give Sabbath to, you know, the Gentiles back then. Okay, now people are all like, ah, he's talking about not taking Sabbath. Just relax, okay? All I want to just say is, I want to just kind of prove a point here, okay? So just hang on here for a second, okay? In verse 2 again, Wearsby says this, the Jews were rebuked for the careless way they treated the Sabbath during their wilderness times in Exodus 20, right? That was the issue. And then when they arrived in the land, when they lived in the land as well. Like, they were just careless across the board. Jeremiah clearly says, you guys are not adhering to this. Even when you're coming back into the situation. So even after their return to the Holy Land, the Jews were constantly violating the Sabbath. Why was it such a big deal? Because it was a sign that God had an agreement, yes, a covenant with his people, nobody else. Okay, that was kind of a, a big deal. So here's, here's where I want to go, just a little bit fun today, just, just a little bit. Okay, the Sabbath is the seventh day of the week, right? That what? God rested. Everybody, I think, would agree to that. When he completed creation, he rested. Sunday is what day? First day. The first day. As Christians, uh, like it's clear it's not Sabbath. Sabbath is?
1: Saturday.
0: A Saturday. Friday night. So Friday night through Saturday. So as Christians, hang on, and somebody's going to write something and that's okay. Can I just say it's, it's not Sabbath? it would be considered what week why we celebrate sunday is it's because it's of his resurrection we celebrate sunday because it's the lord's day so what Wearsby, what weresby says and I, I you know it's interesting is that you know it's the first day of the week which we all would agree and it really is it commemorates the resurrection of christ from the dead so to call sunday sabbath is actually probably confusing and i actually don't think it's right when we say sunday is sabbath saturday is sabbath so just go along with me for a second. Sabbath is a sign to the Jews that belongs to the law. Okay, if we're going to be particular about having to give a name when we worship the Lord, and here's the deal. People worship the Lord on church on Friday nights, Saturdays, Sundays. The heart behind it is, is that we're celebrating the Lord's resurrection. That's what we're celebrating. We're celebrating, and Wearsby says it well, the Lord's day, and that belongs to God's grace, not to law. So, again, am I saying, uh, let me just put it this way. Does God ever ask the Gentiles to join the Jews in keeping the Sabbath? No. Until here. This is what you're going to see. I want to unpack this just a little bit because he calls, if you go to now in verse three, this is interesting. He says, no foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord. Okay, should say the Lord will exclude me from his people and the eunuch should not say, look, I'm a dried up tree. (laughs) That's all kinds of funny things about that. Verse four, for the Lord says this for the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths and choose what pleases me and hold firmly to my covenant. I will give them in my house and within my walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I'll give each of them an everlasting name that will never be cut off. Now, it keeps going to verse six, but here's the point. Nowhere until up until this point have any foreigner of any level, even a eunuch, ever been asked to keep Sabbath. So, again, I want to paint this picture of uh, God will allow individuals outside of Israel to be, can I just say, grafted in. Kevin.
1: Unless they were to have been a slave of, because it talks about no male or female servants.
0: OK, so. Correct. Uh, I want to we can address some of this. When looking at the text in Ezra nine, it, it talks about how here they are confessing. He's confessing about basically bringing on all these these women. Bringing all these foreigners and women and children thats not meant to sound anything but what it is in the text. And then in Ezra 10.3, here's what the text says. Let us therefore make a covenant before our God to send away all the foreign wives and their children according to the counsel of my Lord and of, of those who tremble at the command of our God. Let it be done according to the law. Why is this so important, Kevin?
1: Because they had, one, they weren't supposed to intermarry with the people of the land and it had... Polluted the setting apart. That sounds so bad, doesn't it?
0: But it is, it is what it is. All foreign wives and children in this context with his relationship with Israel, look, you are not allowing us to be holy. You're not allowing us to be set apart. That's why this prophecy in Isaiah 56 is so radical. Because what he's proposing is, hey, by the way, the foreigner can now come and worship with us. Well, how is that even possible? Well, you have to understand, is he talking about, if he's talking about, and I think this is, here's our little dots again. I mean, if he's talking about the rebuilding of Jerusalem, whatever, you know, let's say it's before the first coming of Christ, you know, you still don't see that.
1: Well, the Ezra and Nehemiah reference would have been in that, you know, after Isaiah. That's right first captivity but
0: you still wouldn't see uh like my my point is this this clearly is the prophetic of the future like this is clearly a word that is intended for not right here but oh by the way at the very very end and so it's just kind of like wow they are actually welcome individuals that were originally excluded can now find a time before the lord worshiping him in the messianic kingdom Like, that's what we're talking about. This is, I mean, here's some great examples of this. Remember the book Ruth? The book of Ruth, she was allowed to come into with the people group, right? What about the Ethiopian eunuch? He's a great example of this. Here you have a eunuch, and if anybody doesn't really know what a eunuch is, I'll give you a definition. Why not? Nelson says, they're male exiles, like, you know, guys that have been left their community. They're castrated. Snip, snip. So they could serve, that is my polite version, so that they could serve either the Babylonian or Persian court. So we're saying the eunuchs who have come to serve, they can now, if they keep the Sabbaths and choose what pleases me and hold firmly to my covenants, By the way, I'm going to I'm going to give them, Scripture says in verse five, in my house and within my walls, a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. That's an interesting phrase. I'll give each of them. Here's the phrase an everlasting name that will never be cut off. In other words, they will be given a memorial. Excuse me. I don't know how to say this. That has an everlasting name or an everlasting life in the temple. They can worship with the Jews, Kevin. In the temple. Kevin, why? Because there's going to be a third temple. Whoo! Now, we're not going to get into that today. We're going to save that maybe for tomorrow. Because that's going to be a fun one, that there will be a third temple. And to the, the Christians, us, followers of Jesus in the New Covenant, New Testament, why do you need a, why do you need a temple? Right? That's the mentality that we have. And he says here, by the way, you're going to actually be able to worship in this process. All right. I don't know. Rich, you want to clean up anything on this?
1: No, that just all makes my head spin. I think the gist of it is there's there's a grafting in, which is what we would say. And Isaiah was writing about it long before that was even a thought. And so for me to try and sum all of that up, I'm just grateful that I'm part of that, that I wasn't part of that exclusion. Uh, and now I, because of Christ and what he's done on the cross, I'm included in this.
0: Okay, now look, if we just said the Gentiles, okay, are gonna be a part of the kingdom, they're gonna receive the blessing. They're receiving the blessing, why? Because of Israel, clearly, right? That's that grafting in mentality. Okay, MacArthur comes up with this description of Israel's future kingdom. Almost like a progression, okay? So when I just listed the Gentiles are gonna be a part of the kingdom, that's number seven on his process of the future kingdom. (laughs) I just thought I'd give you a couple more. And we're going to hit hit a pause button real quick on Isaiah 56. First of all, okay, if you can attempt to, I'm going to write like key words because I have too long of a descriptions here. One of these MacArthur says in, in describing the future kingdom, we've already just said that the Gentiles will have a place, the foreigners, the eunuchs, they'll have a place worshiping the Lord together. I think that's a really cool picture. Number one is, is that the Lord will restore the faithful remnant of Israel to the land, To inhabit the kingdom at its beginning. So, there will be, I think we would all agree, there will be a faithful remnant, right, that will help initiate Israel's future kingdom. Okay, that's a really cool picture. As the Lord defeats Israel's enemies. Okay? Because Kevin, he's coming back. We've already talked through this process. This is really interesting. He will provide protection for his people. Okay? So now here we are talking about future kingdom. I'm not even going to get to all the points. I'm not even going to tell you how many points there are because it'll make your head spin. Okay,
1: number three. I, I have a question. Are you saying, just so I understand, are you saying the faithful remnant are Israelites? Correct. Or are they Israelites and Gentiles?
0: No, no. I'm just talking Israel right now. Okay. That there will just be a faithful remnant within Israel, within the Jewish people. He will provide protection for his people. In her kingdom, okay, Israel then will enjoy, again, I'm shorting all of this, she will enjoy great prosperity. Okay, in this process of many kinds. In this, you will see, okay, the city of Jerusalem will literally, uh, how MacArthur describes it as, will, will rise to world preeminence in the kingdom. The city of Jerusalem becomes the focus, is really what you're going to see. I think we've all seen, even Isaiah is already talking about this. Okay, this language of my people and my city will have a prominent place. Now, uh, again, you have the city of Jerusalem. Number five, MacArthur says, is that Israel, it's really kind of redundant, will be the center of the world attention, like the country itself, okay? Not people, I mean, you could say people group, but I'm talking also the country. Uh, in this, this is really kind of fun, number six, Israel's mission, and, and I'm so excited, you guys, towards the end of this week. I have never, some of the stuff that I, 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 honestly, I've read through, I'd love to say I've studied, but not when you communicate it. It's totally a different ballgame. In this, Israel has a mission, Okay, Israel's mission in the kingdom is to glorify the Lord. Okay, and you know what happens when they glorify the Lord. The Gentiles um, will receive the blessing. They become a part of this. Okay, they become a part of this process. So look, I have, MacArthur actually has 17, uh, all the way up to 17 points. I'm going to hit a pause button. Because my point is this. In order to get to this point of what we're talking about, how Israel prophesies, I'm I'm sorry, Isaiah prophesies, right? In verse 3, like, I'm sorry, uh, in verse, well, yeah, into verse 5. I'm going to give them an everlasting name and cut them off. It's because of God's hand is on Israel and his people first. First and foremost, which allows the Gentiles to be entered in. Well, why is the Gentiles? Because God's, Israel's mission is to glorify. Look, I understand there's a progression here. It really is. And in this progression, I just want you to understand, God is actually finally saying to the Jewish people, I'm giving a place to people that you're not comfortable with. He says in verse 6, we were just talking about the eunuchs and the foreigners who joined themselves to the Lord, minister to him to love the name of Yahweh and become his servants. All who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it and who hold firmly to my covenant. So now this is where it gets kind of interesting. Holds fast to my covenant. We're talking about foreigners. Kevin, you want to take a stab at that one? No. <laughs> I was
1: just glad he asked you.
0: <laughs> I mean, I, I think you just have to reiterate what he wrote. I'm not I'm not trying to be funny here. Like he literally says, "Okay, look, if you convert to the Lord, you love the name of Yahweh, become his servants. You keep the Sabbath and you hold firmly to my covenant. He says, and here's what's going to happen in verse seven. I will bring them to my holy mountain uh, and let them rejoice in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be acceptable on my altar for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. I mean, here's the deal. In the kingdom mentality of the Messiah, the Jerusalem temple eventually, you guys, will be the focal point for worship and everybody will go there. Like, that's really what we're talking about here. This is what it's going to come down. Jesus obviously referenced this because he got all fired up. Jesus got all mad because the Jews back then literally were violating the house of prayer and they had turned it into, uh, my language, uh, a business. And so he goes in and he starts flipping up everything down. And he said they, they had made the, the temple... Literally, and what one commentator says, MacArthur says, a, a commercial venture. They have made God's presence, worshiping God, more about making money than they had about experiencing and worshiping Him. He says, down the road, none of that's even going to be an issue. Many people will be coming by, and yes, they'll be bringing offerings and sacrifices. Like, I, I have, I, if you were to ask me, Kyle, does that mean if you're around in this time that you will be bringing lambs and goats or whatever? I, all right, Kevin, I don't have any idea. Tom, you got any thoughts?
1: No, I don't see us. I mean, I'd still say we're Gentiles. If we don't follow the law, why would we need to bring sacrifices?
0: I mean, it's a great question. The only the only thing is, is in verse six, he says, And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord, minister to him." And it, it's still the same image. I'll bring them. Something them, about the foreigners. I'll bring them to the holy mountain. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be acceptable.
1: But the purpose of the burnt offerings and sacrifices are different.
0: They have to be. They're obviously not for workspace because Christ is already there. So this is clearly not a salvation issue. This is clearly a worship issue. And I think that's all we're trying to go after here. And again, you might have some different perspectives on that. And I would say that's okay. <laughs> all I'm just trying to show you is, is up until this point, uh, the Jews kept the Sabbath, that was their covenant. And what Isaiah prophesies is at the end, at the future coming of Christ, when Christ is here, he says you will have groups that are mixed together and they're worshiping him together.
1: I think the progression's important here.
0: Absolutely. Uh, let, let's keep going here if we can. In, in verse 8, it says, this is the declaration of the Lord God who gathers the dispersed of Israel. I will gather to them still others besides those already gathered. This is, again, another reiteration, you guys. This one's pretty powerful to me. It's almost one of the more clear verses that, honestly, I don't think I've ever hung my hat on. But he's clearly saying, you guys, besides Israel's exiles coming into the kingdom, he's going to bring in non-Jews. So here you have Jews and Gentiles that he is actually going to, to gather. Can you go to Isaiah 49, verse 6? A lot of meat here, you guys. I understand that. So just grab what you can. Isaiah 49, 6. Uh, look at, look at this. Isaiah 49, 6 says, it is not enough for you to be my servant, raising up the tribes of Jacob and restoring the protected ones of Israel. The, the, The prophet Isaiah says, I will also make you a light for the nations to be my salvation to the ends of the earth. Clearly, you guys, he's intending salvation to not just be for them. He wants this to broaden. So when you go back to Isaiah 56, verse 8, I will gather them still others besides those who are already gathered. That means he's broadening his
1: horizon. Well, at the same time, it's, it's talking about the rest of Israel too, because the northern tribes never do come back. I think you can totally include them. So in verse 9, here's
0: where it gets kind of, kind of interesting. Okay. You kind of have this transition of of false leaders again. We haven't heard this in a while, you know, or wicked nations. We haven't heard that in a while because we're in the happy part of Isaiah 40 through 66. We're in the comforting and deliverance. And he says, all you animals of the field and forest come and eat. Israel's watchmen are blind. All of them, they know nothing. All of them are mute dogs. They can't bark. They dream. They lie down and they love to sleep. All right, so. He just said, the prophet Isaiah just said, hey, all of you wicked, hostile nations. I mean, That's really what he's saying. All of you enemies. Come on. Why? Because he describes Israel's watchmen, the prophets. They should be watching. They should be warning his people. They should be saying, hey, we need to repent. We've ignored our responsibilities, as MacArthur says. But go ahead. Come on in. Come on in, enemies. What a weird thing to say. But then he says in verse 11, these dogs... Have fierce appetites; they never have enough, and they are shepherds, these rulers who have no discernment. All of them turn to their own way, every last one for his own gain. The problem is, you guys here, you have shepherds, priests. They, they, bottom line, they failed to lead Israel uh, like down the path of you know righteousness. Rather, they are what? Verse twelve saying, "Come, let's get some wine. Let's guzzle some more beer. Dilly dilly." <laughs> That's where they got this from. They totally ripped this from the scriptures. And tomorrow will be like today. Only far better. It's kind of weird. Verses 9 through 12 takes like a... <laughs> I thought we were making progress here. And now all of a sudden the wicked nations are coming in and you guys need to be aware of what's going on. And then he says, the problem is, is you guys are self-indulgent. You're drinking to the point where you don't even care for your people. But that's how he ends verse 12. Lovely, right? The shepherds were not watching their sheep. Constable says they're just busy getting drunk. And so uh, this is where you end on Isaiah 56. Now, I'm going to attempt to do Isaiah 57 and 58 in less than a minute. Uh, Here you have Isaiah 57 really is a, a picture about a mixed people. It's not meant to sound negative or anything like that. You know, it talks about the peace that's coming. Then it talks about a prostitute and her family. And then God's our refuge. And there's a breakthrough. And At the very end, it says, and there's no peace for the wicked. So he flips it. And then in 58, completely changes scenarios. 100%. Here you have fasting. And what does the fasting look like? And why are we doing this? All right, guys. That's Isaiah 56, 57, and 58. I am sure, clearly, we have stirred the pot somewhere. Why? Because Isaiah did. Isaiah totally did. And his people are like, you got to get ready. But I think this message is for us too. We started off the same way, you guys. We got to get ready to be able to come before the Lord and worship him. Can I just add one little part? You have to be willing to worship the Lord in ways maybe that you're not used to. Be open to how the spirit of God can move in worship here, even in church today. If it's different, it's just getting you ready for more. Specifically, maybe our time with him in heaven. All right, guys, have a great day. We'll talk to you tomorrow.